Jesus is here. He's more than a baby. He is with us. I want to reflect on that word with today. With with is a peculiar uh, little four-letter word. In our English language, it's a preposition. It communicates connection and relationship. The word with, at its core, transforms. Uh, Just think about it when it comes to our food. Uh, With transforms our experience of food. You can have just eggs, but you can have eggs with bacon uh, and eggs with sausage. Uh, You can have just coffee, or you can have coffee with cream. If you're living a little wild, coffee with cream and sugar. You can have pie, but you can have pie with whipped topping. Uh, Or if you're like me, you can have whipped topping and a little bit of pie. You can have cake, or you can have cake with ice cream. With transforms. Uh, With transforms our experience of good things. We know that if we experience a beautiful sunset, a sunrise, a vacation, a celebration of a birthday or a holiday, that when we experience that with other people, our experience is enhanced. With transforms our experience of regular, everyday things. How many of us have said at one point in time, eat with me, stay with me, sit with me, with me, lie with me, talk with me, walk with me, with transforms. With transforms our experience of trouble and trial and hardship. From the youngest in this room to the oldest in this room, we know how deeply impactful the presence of others with us, with us in the doctor's office, with us in the waiting room, with us in our trial, with us in our tragedy, how how impactful being with others is. So while with is this small word that's peculiar and a preposition, it is also a word with profound significance and power. Uh, I was researching this week and found this study uh, on the power of with. Uh, The study initially was um, done by a woman at Biola University, and she was writing about the power of with and the research associated with it following the whole COVID thing, where people were isolated and how uh, things happened in our lives and we weren't connected and with people. But in her article, she cited the research of one psychologist, a neuroscientist. Uh, I don't know if he's a follower of Jesus. I would suspect he is not from what I read. But he did some fascinating research on the power of with. His name is Dr. James Cohn. I went and watched one of his TED Talks from 2014 where he, he shares about the power of with. And in that video, he, he shares the story of a World War II veteran who was 80 years old, who he had been um, referred to, the, the World War II veteran had been referred to him by his physician at a veteran's hospital. 
the World War II vet was going through uh, some pretty debilitating PTSD, and so he was sent to this psychologist. And when Dr. Cohn met with this World War II veteran and wanted to begin therapy, uh, the World War II vet made it clear, I'm not going to talk to you. I, I don't want to be here. I'm not going to do these things. Eventually, the psychologist, Dr. Cohn, was able to convince the World War II vet to come for a therapy session. Under one condition, the World War II vet said, I have to bring my wife with me. And so that next session, the World War II vet shows up. His elderly wife is with him. And the psychologist begins by the typical, the typical intake questions. And then he asks the man to begin sharing the stories that were troubling him. Dr. Cohn asked, will you please share some of the stories that are bothering you? And the World War II veteran said, no, I don't want to talk. So the, the psychologist pivoted. He said, well, well, how about if we just make ourselves aware of the tension that you're holding in your body because of the trauma? Will you do some exercises with me uh, to recognize that tension and to relax? And again, the World War II veteran said no. And that's when the wife who was present all along shifted closer on the couch and reached and grabbed his hand and simply said, what if I do it with you? And to his surprise, the World War II veteran and the wife began practicing those relaxation and tension exercises. The session ended, the next session came, and here comes a World War II veteran with his wife. The psychologist begins with the same question. Will you share with me the stories that are troubling you? Once again, the veteran replied, no, I won't. And just like it happened in the previous meeting, the wife moved closer. She once again grabbed his hand. And the World War II veteran said, okay. And he began to share story after story after story. Dr. James Cohn said that it was a breakthrough in the man's therapy. But he noticed that something changed when the wife held the man's hand. And as he began to research and do studies, clinical research, um, he was specifically looking for the effects of how does hand-holding communicate being present and with somebody, and how does it transform our experience of painful circumstances? It's fascinating. And, and, and with that, I can't help but think not only about the peculiar nature of that word with, but its profound significance and power. And here we are at Christmas, celebrating and reflecting on the God who came to be what? With us. One of the greatest truths and realities of the Christian faith and of Christmas is that the God of all creation came in the form of a human being named Jesus to be with us. Jesus is his name. Emmanuel is part of his function or his title. Jesus is God with us. As you think about the story of God in scripture, we see that our God has always been a God who wants to be with his people. You can go back to the early pages of Genesis and you can see in Genesis that God was with his creation in the garden. In fact, even after their sin, it tells us in Genesis chapter three that God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. And even when sin separates man and God, God continues to move to draw near to be with. 
He comes near and he's with humankind in visions and dreams. He's near and he's with through his angelic messengers. If you think about Moses, we even hear that he came and he talked with Moses as one speaks to a friend. God with us. And it doesn't end there. He led Israel in the wilderness as they moved towards the promised land with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. God with his people. And then when the tabernacle was built, God said, I will dwell with you, among you, between the outstretched wings of the cherubim on the Ark of the Covenant. God with us. And then as David writes the Psalms, there's many times he reflects on God's presence with him. One of our favorite Psalms communicates this so well, Psalm 23. David reflects on God as our shepherd who leads us to streams of water, who gives us rest. And probably perhaps our favorite part of that Psalm is that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. Why? Because he is with us. He is with us. We move to the words of the prophets and they speak about this coming one, this Messiah who would come and be king and would save, who would be with us. And then we see the fulfillment of those promises through the prophets in Jesus. That passage I read just a few moments ago in communion, Matthew chapter one, that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. And what do we see in the life of Jesus is that he is a God who is with us and the presence of God with us in Jesus does so much. But we don't have the hours uh, to dissect and reflect on everything that Jesus as God with us means. And I've chosen just two that come from the promise of God's presence that come from Emmanuel. And here are the two. God with us, Emmanuel. Jesus being here brings peace and brings comfort. We look into the life of Jesus in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in our Bibles. And we see that Jesus brings peace. John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says, my peace, I'm going to leave with you. But the peace I leave will not be like the world's peace. See, Jesus as a Jew understood the, the Jewish concept, the Hebrew concept of shalom. Maybe you've heard that word before. Shalom, that type of peace, is far more than just the absence of conflict. It, it's this sense of contentedness, of wholeness, of well-being, even in the midst of fractured and broken and difficult circumstances. Jesus says, this is the peace that I will leave with you. And the story that we see unfold in the life of his disciples and those that have followed him since is that you can have this peace, this, this inner completeness, this contentedness, this wholeness, this sense of well-being, even when your life is falling apart. That's the peace that Jesus brings, God with us. And for you and I, it means that today, no matter how little you have or how much you have, you can have Jesus' peace. Whether you grieve or you rejoice, you can experience his peace. It's not found in what you bought that rests beneath the tree or what you couldn't afford. It's not found in who is with you or who is no longer here. 
but peace and wholeness are found in the God who came to be with us. I love how John, uh, the disciple of Jesus, says it in John chapter one. He says that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. John says that the glory of God came in human flesh to be with us. And in coming, he offers us peace. Part of that peace comes from the comfort that Emmanuel supplies. God with us brings comfort. Now, there are a number of places we could go in the life of Jesus to see the comfort that he supplies, but I thought of just three. Uh, two of them are very similar. We have two accounts in these records of Jesus' life where his disciples are caught out on the water on the Sea of Galilee and a huge storm comes upon them. On one occasion, Jesus is already with them in the boat and he's sleeping. On another occasion, Jesus walks to them upon the water and the waves. In both occasions, Jesus calms the sea and brings comfort to his disciples. Another another picture of Jesus. Uh, He gets word that his dear friend Lazarus has died. And so he travels to Bethany to be near the family. Mary and Martha are there, Lazarus' sisters. And the very presence of Jesus, God with us as he draws close, brings them comfort. God with us, Jesus with us, a source of peace and comfort to all of us. It's as though in Jesus, God is saying, like the old woman, I'll do it with you. He brings us peace. He brings us comfort. He brings us so much more. We who now live in the shadow of the cross because this baby grew up and he lived and he died, we have the promise of God that he will give us his spirit to live inside of us. No longer God just with us, but God within us. In fact, the spirit is called the comforter. This is who Jesus is. Jesus as Emmanuel, the holy God of the universe came to be with us. God with us. And although he left this earth in physical human body, he will one day return. And while we await being with him in his physical form again, we have his presence in a few ways. We know that God is not bound. There's this unseen spiritual world. So that means God is with us. Jesus is with us even when we can't see. We have the gift of his spirit so he can be with us and within us as we trust and follow him. And then we as the church, gathered in places like this and out in our communities, get to now be the new Emmanuel for our world as God with us allows us to take him to be with the world, that they could be introduced to him and come to know him. That word with, it's so peculiar, but yet it's powerful and it's significant. And I wonder this Christmas, have you been transformed by Emmanuel? Have you felt the impact of his presence with you? The peace that he brings, the the comfort that he brings, the power that he brings to your life. If not, I would hope, and our prayer for you has been that this Christmas is one where you experience Jesus as Emmanuel like never before. That you can know that he is with us. That God has come near and God has drawn close. And God helps us in the midst of life's hardest circumstances. 
The question I couldn't help but think of this week is that God is present with us. Will we be present with him? A theme that plays out in homes all across our community and all across our country, probably all across our world, is that now that we have these smartphones and smartwatches and tablets, is that we see again and again that people can be in proximity to others and not really be present with others. And I'm guessing if you've already gathered as a family for Christmas or if that's happening this afternoon, this evening, or tomorrow, or in the days ahead, uh, you'll have this experience too where there will be people that are seated with you at a table. Maybe they're sitting next to you on the sofa. Maybe they're lying next to you in bed. But they're not truly with you. Will we be a people that recognizes that the God who came to be with us wants us to be with him. We can't take away the incarnation. Jesus will always be near. He will always be with us, but we can choose not to experience that. And my hope is is that you will do everything you can to experience them, that we would be with the one who came to be with us. I know that uh, every Christmas there are those who are hurting Um, And this Christmas is no different. And perhaps the pain that you feel is keeping you from seeing and appreciating the beauty and the wonder and the majesty of of who Jesus is. But I want to share with you something uh, that came to me earlier this week. I had no idea I would use it today. I was actually praying over how to encourage um, our dear friends, Philip and Sarah. Philip used to be a minister here and many of you know this story. Uh, in May, their daughter, who was four months old, um, suddenly died. They had all these dreams of celebrating Christmas with Mason and uh, he has shared with Audrey and I just how hard this season has been for them and I was just praying, God, how can I encourage them? And as I was praying, this, this kind of visual came to mind. You know how you can be driving um, through a rainstorm. And as you look through the window, two things happen. The rain both distorts the lights, the lights on cars, the lights on the street, the lights ahead of you. But at the same time, that rain enhances. And so while you can't see as distinguished the source of those lights, the the water and the refraction has this way of ballooning and blooming the light to be almost bigger and brighter. And as I was thinking about this visual, I thought of our tears. And when our eyes well with tears, the same thing happens. We can look at the lights on a Christmas tree. We can look at the lights on a stage. And even as we cry, the same thing happens. The light becomes both distorted and enhanced. The reality of Jesus coming, God with us, means that even when life is distorted by untimely death, disease, and difficulty, that if we will choose to look at the light, although it's in many ways distorted and far from being as clear as it has been before, Yet we're met with that other mystery that the light is somehow enhanced. 
And my hope is that this Advent season that you will choose to look through the tears and you will choose to look to the God who made you and loves you and who came to be with you and so that even when your world is distorted, you can see more brightly and feel more significantly the God who is with us. With such a small word with profound significance. In just a moment, uh, I'm going to pray. And following my prayer, uh, we're going to sing a song and we're going to light candles and just a few instructions for you. Um, uh, we really encourage that the older children and the, the teens and the adults uh, use our real candles um, uh, because things are flammable, including the hair of the person in front of you. Uh, and that's why we've supplied glow sticks for the youngest among us. And in fact, if you're a small child and you haven't cracked open your glow stick yet, I see a few of them. Go ahead and do that and have your parent or grandparent help you. And then following my prayer, uh, I'm going to light uh, Audrey's candle and ask her to start lighting candles in the room. And I'm going to come down from the stage and start lighting. Here's what I ask. Just very carefully turn to the people beside you and behind you and help light their candles. And what we'll see is that moment in that picture that we all treasure is that the lights of candles will overtake the room. And that is very symbolic of how we pray that the light of Jesus, the firstborn of all creation, the king of all kings, the savior of our world, your savior and my savior, the God who is with us, how his light can penetrate and overtake the darkness. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for the ability to gather, to reflect upon the significance of who you are. God, may we know and fully experience the depths of what it means that you are with us. And it's in your name we pray and trust, in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>